1: Is there no end to your own hypocrisy? You God is power, you have no shame. Your only interest is political gain. You hide your eyes and refuse to listen. You play
0: your game. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. And my regular listeners, you're again recognizing this is not our home studio. I'm very happy that we're able to do the show remotely uh, in August in California. And um, just same show on a Thursday, we have one guest joining us, a truly stellar, very interesting guest. I'm so glad he was available today. So we're doing our Thursday show without our studio audience, so I don't have a studio audience to clap and say hello, but I want to welcome to the show uh, someone I've actually um, talked to a few times and really enjoyed following over the years, Patrick Byrne. Before we bring him on, I want to show you something because I will tell you that this morning I was going to listen to a bunch of interviews and type an outline and I got a tiny bit distracted reading an article that was in Capital Times uh, and I want to actually ask Emilio if you can show the cover of that. Can you? Yeah, there you go. That was the most amazing long read story. And after the show today, I will post this on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, because it is a riveting and detailed um, interview uh, with Patrick Byrne, who's had the most amazing life you can possibly imagine. So uh, thanks for showing that, Emilio. And let's please welcome to the show, Patrick Byrne. Hello,
1: sir. Debbie, Debbie, thank you very much. As, As they say in theater, it reads better than it played. (laughs)
0: well i don't know about that i will tell you i thought i would skim it and i I was irresistible i ended up anyway it was just a really really good article and it's actually a really good place to start because i think people for many people in america uh you've and you really came to um broad knowledge in america's kind of kitchens and living rooms uh, during the 2020 election. And when there was a great question being raised about the outcome of the election. And um, so that's when I really became aware of you. I, we have a mutual friend in Sydney Powell who actually happens to live near us in Dallas and been on the show many times and uh, spoken at my Women for Freedom summits. So that um, you and she were working together in 2020 related to the election. So before we get to all those meetings that were extraordinarily interesting, Um, surrounding the 2020 election, I wanna go back and talk about the Capital Times Magazine. You called it, you referred to that interview as, my most revealing post ever. Now you know the rest of the story. Please spread widely, as in our information war, there is a hypersonic missile. Only chance you have to strike with it is now. That was a great quote. And the other one is uh, from Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, uh, who has also been on the show, who's just a, a great American. I don't want to read the lengthy statement, but Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is one serious, earnest patriot who served this country, continues to serve this country, to be speaking up about what's happening to this country. And he has a quick clip I want to read from that we had to say about you. Through my work as a senior intelligence officer in the world of national security and special operations, I've known about the courageous work Patrick Byrne has been directed to do on behalf of the United States government. Most people don't understand the work of national intelligence assets. But that is what Patrick has been asked to be when it comes to the opaque world of government-to-government relationships. Um, and he's, um, yeah, he's also gotten to know him, Patrick, uh, personally, um, I've gotten to personally know Patrick over the past few years uh, be- be- for a variety of reasons. So he's just, uh, he's really singing your praises and I hope we get time to talk to you today that you and he have been uh, working on. the. Um, Fifth generation warfare things, which are um, all by itself amazing. So I'm talking a lot because I'm, I'm excited you're here and I want to just tell our listeners all about what um, you know, what you have done in your life. But let's go back to what you described, um, or actually, I don't want to go back to the indictment of Trump because this is on everyone's mind. It's the top of mind for everyone. The core premise of this entire prosecution of Trump by, by um, Jack Smith right now is. Um, That he basically knew the 2020 election was legitimate. So it was, you know, he was dishonest in his efforts to stir the American public up. He was, you know, he, well, they try to talk about creating an indictment, but he basically is talking about uh, Trump knew he had lost fair and square and and he wouldn't stop talking about it. And you've made clear that that premise is absolutely untrue. He did no, He didn't know. In fact, he knew uh, quite to the contrary. Correct. So I, I'm jumping around where I want to start because so many great things. But I guess I do want to go to to this prosecution of President Trump to start with. Go back to when you got involved in the election assessment uh, and what was occurring in 2020. And you had that famous meeting in December of 2020 in the Oval Office, Sidney Powell, etc. Did you have a sense that President Trump was pretty sure
1: the election was stolen. Was that what, what you perceived about him from what he, he was saying? Absolutely. And I'll be the first to say that's the first time Trump and, ever met, Trump and I ever met, and I didn't vote for the guy. I didn't vote for him either time. The journalists always write, oh, well, this is something Trump I didn't vote for the guy either time. I will be witness number one to say he absolutely did believe he knew correctly that the thing had been rigged, and he strongly suspected foreign governments were involved. So uh, I will be witness number one, he absolutely believed it was rigged. In addition, the essence of what we went in to that Oval Office meeting to talk to him about was unlike what the media portrays that we had a bunch of theories of vote flipping from space and South Korean jets stuffed with ballots, had nothing to do with any of that. The federal government itself, what we were pointing out to him is Mr. President, the federal government itself in the last, two months has made a bunch of statements that are all you need to conduct an investigation. The federal government itself, the DHS, in its annual report in October put elections right at the top of what was going to be attacked. Then on October 23rd, they announced that Iran was attacking our elections with advanced persistent threat actors. On November 3rd, they came out and said Iran has successfully hacked one state They're going after other states and other hostile nation states have now gotten involved. Then on December 6th and 13th, they came out announcing the biggest hack in American history. And it was the, it turns out 425 out of five, the Fortune 500 were hacked. The CIA, DOD, NSA, Congress, uh, State Department, everybody was hacked in federal government, the entire federal government. And this was the federal government itself said this on December 13th. The DNI, the FBI, and the DHS came out with a joint statement. So the whole government had said we're in the middle of this historic hack. And we had two executive orders, one from Obama and one from Trump himself, had been signed that said if there's foreign uh, hacking of an election, the president really has very wide authority. He can do anything from run a, a quick investigation to a presidential commission, to canceling the election and running it again if he wants. We were saying, arguing for the most minimal of those, a quick investigation based on, not on any allegations of the kookiness that we all were seeing in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan, not based on that, based on the federal government's own statements itself, that we said it met the needs of this Obama executive order and Trump executive order, To enable you to do a quick investigation that's all we were asking for a quick investigation dhs what's wrong with that
0: nothing would have been wrong with that actually i'm glad i didn't know and i'm pretty seriously into this election integrity issue on a wide range of uh avenues or aspects but i didn't know until reading this article that there'd actually been an executive order by president obama and and i and really when you are the president the idea that you would permit an election to be obviously stolen when they're in indicia of a theft of an election, especially by foreign powers. You, of course you want something in place that says you don't have to just tolerate it and go with the result. So I didn't know until I right read today, Obama had said this and then as you just recounted numerous statements out by the government saying, uh, this looks like it's a serious problem. This may have been a hack. So you were in there essentially saying, take the, the safest route and at least investigate.
1: Yes, and hear. it doesn't know exactly. I mean, yes, it was so modest. They they painted as some wild-eyed thing. First, it was all me; it should all be put on me. If anyone committed an insurrection or sedition, that was I. Uh, and the argument was that Obama, Obama, and Trump executive orders said if there's foreign interference in the election or hacking or anything, the president can do something. Well, Mr. President, here's a stack of statements from the government itself about what's happened. You got the authority to order a all we want, you have really have the authority to do anything. We want you to order a quick investigation. And in the six places that we that were really troublesome, uh, and using DHS, and all we need to do is image the hard drive of the computers. Now, of an image the hard drive, take the image back, takes an hour or two. Take the image back to government facilities, we can analyze the the cast vote records and everything. So there was discussion about how to get there. There was discussion of six, 12, or 31 counties. There was a discussion of taking an image or taking the hard drive or taking the whole machine. There was a discussion, and the paperwork we had presented the DHS. I am the one and the only one who said, you know, the DHS is okay, but this is really there's been a complete collapse of the Americans' trust in this institution. The two most trusted institutions in society are the military and the judiciary. Let's take a U.S. – we could also take a U.S. marshal and staple a U.S. marshal to a team of three cyber guys out of the National Guard and make that a team and send six such teams to these six places and they would each take the image. My thinking there was – if the guy, if the National Guard guy takes the image, and there's a U.S. marshal who can certify, yes, this National Guard, it just makes to the public's eye, it makes everything ironclad. Maybe more than if the DHS had gone in, and, and nobody even really knows what the DHS is. So that that uh, that's what I was, I proposed, and Trump's lawyers immediately said, Mr. President, if the it's the first time he spoke up, he said, Mr. President the public's gonna go nuts, or the public's gonna melt down if they say a single uniform here. And everyone in the place agreed. And Trump said, yeah, no uniforms. And General Flynn said no uniforms. So I'm the only guy here. So the real plan presented was DHS teams taking images of six hard drives in six counties. Does anything seem extreme or wild or revolutionary about that to you, given, given all the statements from the government about the hacking and the fact that Obama and Trump had both signed if there's a hack into an election you can you can go and look at it doesn't seem so wild to me i know that it's going to go they tried to paint this in history as some raving lunatic thing to do it's, i'm a businessman that seemed like a very modest response
0: i agree it was a very modest response and even by that time in december of 2020 you know there were people on election day who had watched the entire election process just watched the comparison of the size of crowds president trump was gathering Biden's in his basement, didn't run a campaign to speak of. There are people who just had kind of common sense reaction that this this doesn't sound right, doesn't seem right. Then on election night, when they stopped the counting, not just in some random county someplace, but they stopped the counting in key counties and people all of a sudden, I'm I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. Sorry, we're at our beach house and there's someone knocking on the front door. Sorry about that, Um, so I just locked it. Excuse me. Anyway, um, and I'm the only one here to do anything about that. Um, so there were people who uh, watched what happened on, the, on election night, all these counties trending and states getting trending toward Trump in the morning, who knew they all, uh, turning toward Trump in the morning, they all went with Biden. There was enough, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry.
1: That's okay. Go ahead and take it if you need to.
0: Please stop knocking, just drop it, wherever it is, I'll take it, goodbye. Okay. Okay, this is the danger of doing a beach house by ourselves as a delivery guy who wouldn't stop knocking. Okay, what I'm getting at is the common reaction of many, many Americans was this simply, simply doesn't smell right. But you guys oh. weren't going in with kind of intuitive, hey, this doesn't sound right to me. These are very serious, substantive, important arguments about the power the government has to look into things. And I do, um, I, I know I want to get off and the things that are happening now as Jack Smith's prose- uh, prosecution, but... I just think it was a failure of bravery in the administration at the time. Not on Trump's part, but the failure of bravery of his advisors who could have had the, um, who should have had the same smell test reaction. But anyway, no, I that, that last well,
1: thought was a couple of other things. That was, Debbie, that really wasn't the problem. It isn't that they didn't see it, but they were all wimps. It wasn't that they didn't have, so the high level people around Trump had all been told if, Trump, if, if literally, and I was told this by such people, ultimately, but I was certainly told this by a number of the mid-level people, that the word has gotten out that, look, if you're good guys and you get Trump out the door, no must, no fuss, there'll be a job offer for you, Mr. White House counsel over at this you know, 17th Street lobbying firm, million dollars a year. And Mr., you know, all of these people had beautiful job offers if they got him out the door. On the other hand, if he did not get out, the, if he did not go out the door and fought, you are, I know one guy who told me, my son is at St. Albans. I've already been, my first, my wife is on the verge of leaving me and she will leave me. My son is not going to be invited back to St. Albans. He'll, this will be his live. And I'm, I went to Princeton, and my father went to Princeton, and my great-grandfather went to Princeton and you know, for five generations. And I've been told there will never be another of my line ever that continues. And the country club is going to kick me out. And all of this stuff went to work around these people. And I, I can't, couldn't believe, I mean, so what was going on was this all-in social revolution like that. All the establishment was in on it together and putting that kind of pressure on, but on the other hand, if they were good boys and got the people at the door, there'd be nice jobs waiting for them, their kids get into Princeton, all that kind of crap. You know, the other thing, uh,
0: I, I'm not
1: surprised I any of that face. face. If a guy said something like that to me, I would shoot him in the face. Okay, somebody said that, I know of somebody who said that to a very important official. And uh, to a very important official, was told that about the princeton about his son and all that kind of stuff a very key official in this whole thing had those threats made to him it's unbelievable i mean it's no, just no, i get just the t-
0: utter determination that the um, the swamp the deep state whatever you want to call these people they wanted trump out they could not stand the idea the next four years whatever he was going to do at any cost i mean going to i, I have no trouble believing everything you're saying the determination to get him out of the White House, get his entire administration gone, uh, it it was uh, flying, fly high, sky high. The other thing I'll quickly mention about election fraud just before we get into one topic is people think that the entire discussion about election fraud centers around, well, you support Trump, so you believe election fraud is real, when actually the election fraud, the capacity to commit election fraud in this country through electronic manipulation, voter tabulation software, mail-in ballots, all that, it's impacted other uh, other races in this country as well, other key races. Uh, um, and it also has been the um, topic of investigation around the country. It's not just a, a love Trump, hatred. I know you're not even really, you, Patrick, Garner, not a Republican. You're not particularly, a, I guess, a Trump supporter. But I'm this is the entire system. You have the Tina Peters situation, Carrie Lake. Um, I think of the cesspool of Georgia. It's an issue that will really take down the notion of a republic and the we the people as the sovereign if you can't have clarity of elections. It was that important, I think, to push it at that time. If you have any, and uh, did you get involved in those cases, Tina Peters or Carrie Lake, any of those?
1: Absolutely, very much. Carrie Lake, the people who are working for Carrie Lake, the volunteers and a whole bunch of the volunteer effort, I have actually been funding um, since the day after the election, those people. And uh, what was the other one you asked about? The uh, the Tina Tina Peters. I'm funding her defense. Since you asked, I might as well mention, I've said that I'll put up 400. If she can raise 400, I will match the first 400,000 she can raise. So if somebody sends in 50 bucks, it turns into 100 because I'm doubling everything that gets sent in. So Tina Peters, who's just a lovely grandma, who, you know, she ran because she was upset she ran for county clerk because she was unhappy about the length of wait at the DMV lines she's this apolitical grandma just trying to do the right thing and some funny things happened in the April 2021 election that she looked into and that looked smelled like skunk and you know she so so yeah yeah it's but it's kind of funny going back to your point it's these a lot of these people in the establishment knew what was going on. They just decided they hated Trump so much. I was never a Trump hater. I I was I felt about him like I felt about Obama. I didn't vote for either of them. But when he got in, you know, he was my president. I help any way I could. I uh, but he's. Uh, I've come to. I, what I've come to realize is that I love the people who love Trump. He is. He made Americans stand up. I mean, I I've come to really admire the guy actually and what he did even if i did not vote for him the first two times i'm very much and proud that i'm doing this with my life to expose what happened to him
0: i i love that too i there's a, a zillion directions to go but i will say on president trump there are many people who didn't support him at the outset and what i what I observed about him and i, I didn't either we, we live in texas and we know the cruises and so we were supporting ted cruz because you know we're texans but what donald trump did in the course of the first uh, campaign he ran was help Americans recognize that our country could be much better, much stronger. We could have better trade deals. We could have a secure border. We could kind of build the strength of America again. And he made people feel good about being American. He had Joe Lunchpail's vote more than he had a lot of the intellectual elites vote. He had Joe Lunchpail. Who will like someone saying hey, America is a good country? We should try to restore it. So, um, so I think people got around to seeing him differently than they might have at the outset. Um, and Aunt Tina Peters, yeah, she was, on, she was on the show like two months ago. She was actually here in Dallas. We had a great conversation. I, I love her. She actually That's spoke great. at our, my summit last year. She wasn't allowed to leave the state at the time, so she had to speak to you. But she was just. Um, uh she's just a stellar human being and a straight arrow and and really uh, she has taken the arrows for things that she shouldn't have to be so thank you for supporting her and carrie lake we just saw actually we were just with carrie lake like a week ago last week uh, last friday um and she's uh happened to be speaking in california so we saw her again and got a visit with her they're they're both just amazing uh patriots who are being um really being mistreated by our system okay i do want to get to so Backing up, so going back to Trump's prosecution, have you, didn't you volunteer to uh, testify at the grand jury there? Is
1: that right? I not only volunteered, I begged for nine months. I finally shamed them into it, taking ads and billboards out saying, Have me come in. I don't need a lawyer. I'll tell you, you're hunting all over for the truth. Call me in. I was in all the important meetings. Just have me in. I'll tell you everything. They wouldn't meet with me. And it's kind of funny because they know how important I am. I, I don't mean to be like uh, like this but my testimony is quite important and there's a reason they've been keeping it suppressed in fact you'll note if you go back to when they opened the j6 committee liz cheney in her opening speech said and on the night of you know the worst moment in american history when on the night of december 18th the oval office was penetrated by general michael flynn and Sidney powell and someone else They won't even mention my name. And the reason they don't want to mention my name is because they were afraid I was going to come out with the information that is now in that Capital Capital Times magazine article.
0: Yeah, I'll push it again very quickly. We're going to post a link to it on our website. I encourage everyone, you've got to read that article. Not only for the other amazing history we'll get into, Patrick Byrne's life, but the detail there, just laying it all out, nothing to hide. So you haven't been invited uh, to speak to the January 6th committee, haven't been invited to speak to Jack Smith, uh grand jury and you know the whole story it's kind of like we have an eyewitness but heaven forbid
1: he'd tell anyone what the truth was is, is, is this is just me good for you debbie i didn't realize you were this bright like it seems so obvious isn't it funny like i'm the key witness and i can talk anyone else there rudy is going to say executive this and attorney client cindy's going to say general flynn doesn't want it to i'm the only guy who can talk and i was there and i'll tell the whole story and they do they want it suppressed and that's because they don't want my truth because they want to be free to construct a fake, fake nerve. Jack Smith, I hope we meet, sir. Call me. Put in all, I've already said many times publicly, put all of J6 on me. Not, nothing violent. Anybody touched a cop, you're not on my side. Anybody broke a window, you're not on my side. But I called people to D.C., I told everyone to be peaceful and such. I didn't really understand it. as a. I thought we were all rallying at the Washington Monument. It, w- it wasn't really supposed to have anything to do with the Capitol. In fact, you want to know something funny that has been missed in this? So we all know that J6 was one part Fed surrection and one part Antifa, right? But something that's being lost is I think there were Republicans involved in it. I think they were anti-Trump Republicans. And I can tell you something that's been glossed over. That J-6 rally was supposed to occur out on the Washington Mall at the Washington Monument. And it was supposed to be short and it was supposed to be much shorter. It was supposed to be General Michael Flynn talking, doing the history thing. And then two scientists we had, and both of them government scientists, one from the NSA and one from Los Alamos. Really smart, sober, very sober, whatever the opposite of Jovan is. Jovan is very colorful. I love Jovan. He's like, sure, you know. But I'm talking about very sober professorial people who've been studying this for decades in one case, and they could get up and explain in this very professorial way why why we on January 6th had to really... Doubt what ha- the They reported the results of the election and how we needed to take, and it needed someone to go and inspect and look at again, 10 days or whatever. And so the Senate, we felt that the American people deserved to know, and the Senate and House deserved to know, and the the whole world deserved to know why America, whose brand is elections, had us standing there saying this election was deeply rigged and needs to be. And all, all we thought w- we wanted the Senate to do or Congress to do was delay things a week or 10 days, send everything back to the states, let the states l- look at, you know, it's come out for the states had asked for their electoral votes to be sent back. And they wanted to do, they wanted to do what happened in Arizona. If you remember on November 30th in Arizona, there was a hearing and hundreds of people showed up and explained to this, to these, the Senate hearing. What happened to them on election day and all this messages all this crazy stuff that happened. And also some expert witness, uh, expert testimony. We wanted each state, at least of the six key states, to do that themselves, have a, a couple days of hearing and then recommit their electoral votes. And as Mike said, and Flynn and I said to each other, we, we were so fed up at that point. We're saying, we don't care. If they want to recommit their electoral votes to Joe Biden, that's their business. If they wanted to say, look, the Wisconsin Supreme Court had already ruled on December 20th that a significant aspect of how the election had been run was unlawful. Imagine, you know, if Wisconsin had just wanted to take, if their legislature had taken it back, had a couple days of hearings, heard from everyone they could about what happened, and then said, well, you know, we're not really sure what happened. The vote, the vote comes up Biden. We see that there's a bunch of problems, but we're not really sure. So we're going to commit this to Biden, and but make sure we have a deep investigation after the election. That would have been fine. That's their business. They could have done that. But if they wanted to say, gee, given all the meshiges that's been uncovered, that's a Yiddish word that just means craziness. Given all, the, <laughs> all that that's been uncovered and this and that, we looked at it. We think that even though it's, we think that Trump won, they could have done that. would have been just fine with us. It was a peace. If they had done that, this whole, there'd be no civil war, no animosity. There, This whole thing could have been resolved peacefully. So that's all that was supposed to happen was that 30 to 45 minutes of something from Mike Flynn, then these two scientists, and then me. And I had this whole little peace message, a whole little thing about why we have to keep this peace. peace. And it was all a message, though, to the to this Congress, who would be voting at one o'clock. And why they should consider uh, not finalizing things, but sending things back to the states, which I will close on this note. There's nothing that offends the Constitution about doing that. Now, it, it, it breaks the 1881 Electoral Count Act or something, which stipulated January 6th so it causes some offense to that to slide it to january 15th or 16th but you know what we still get hit the january 20 date and if it's biden it's biden if it's trump it's trump it would have been a way through this we knew where we are today i knew we were going to be by november 10th by november 10th 2020 i knew we had an egg that could not be unscrambled. and if we just try to pretend otherwise and go through this This country will be in a civil war because it's way obvious to too many people that that egg is problematic. There's no way to unscramble it. we got to do something else. And if we did not, I knew we would be just where we are today. So I was trying to find a different route.
0: I love that. And I'll tell you another reason that it would have been so profitable and helpful if you've been able to pursue this investigation you were describing is because you're really not political. You're not a partisan. I mean, there are people who are, you know, really strong pro-Trumpers, and they were in the campaign, and they they thought he was the you know, the only answer. And there are really strong Democrats, um, and, and as you mentioned, a Uniparty too. But that would have been made your you being a witness so um, so especially impactful both uh, to have Trump follow through with what you suggested, to have the uh, January 6th Commission listen to it, and to have the vote sent back to the states where there was a question which was Ted Cruz's idea. I've forgotten the name of the proposal he made, but it was something that had happened previously. A quick 10-day hiatus, send it back, let the people look at it, who who have 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 now mentioned or they've laid out that they're concerned about the outcome in their state. That I mean, There were just too many people lined up in Washington saying, we're not going to let this Trump victory happen. We're not going to look at it. It wasn't about, they just wanted him gone. I want to ask you something very quickly. Uh, you had there was a tweet um someone uh, on twitter war clandestine uh mm-hmm. was was uh, something out right after the durham report he said the durham report just proved the left-wing agenda for the last seven plus years was not only a complete fabrication but a vast treasonous conspiracy to brainwash the planet and overthrow the sitting potus uh which i agree and i'm getting it you tweeted something which Uh, This was actually, uh, we're changing topics, but we're referring to how the Durham report exposure was actually nothing there to look into. The Trump-Russia collusion didn't have a legitimate predicate uh, to launch the investigation. And you had a very forgiving tweet about, they said, absolutely not. I bet 50,000 people played a role in what happened. We're not going to jail or hang 50,000 people. This is, is, again, a Trump-Russia collusion you've said that would take years to adjudicate and cause the civil war we just spent years avoiding, truth and reconciliation. So in that case, you're saying we can't, you know, we can't go after these traitors who, who did the, uh, what Dura report revealed, the Trump-Russia collusion thing was cooked up. But well, what should happen to the people in who were orchestrating all of this election stuff? Is there some remedy you can
1: see to get us back on track with yes. these elections? You know what happened in South Africa when Mandela took over? This thing called Truth and Reconciliation, it was actually brilliant. He absolutely delivered the, deserved the Nobel Prize for this. He realized that if he prosecuted every white jailer who had beaten a prisoner or something, it would take, you know, there'd be first 150,000 people to prosecute. It would take decades and the whole nation would die in a civil war first. So he made a deal. Anyone who wants to come forward and say what they did under apartheid, tell the truth, you get forgiveness. And every town and village and city had these councils set up. And people could come forward and say, look, this is what I did. This is what I did over the last 10 years. And I was a janitor and I beat three prisoners and I tortured this and that. And you could say anything. But you were saying it in front of the community of the, you know, the mothers and the fathers, the people, you, you were saying it and you were forgiven and no charges. But if you left something out, if you neglected to mention that you would actually, there was this other guy that you, you know, you, you lynched or something. I mean, you could say I had lynched him, I took part in three killings, boom, boom, boom. You were forgiven. But if there was a fourth and you left it out. And they found out later they could come prosecute you for that. So it really created this great incentive for everyone to get everything on the table quickly. And if you kept something to yourself, you don't know if your buddy is going to do the same thing. So we created this incentive. In a matter of 30 or 60 days, everything was on the table. Everything was out. There was nothing to argue about. We need something like that to happen. And I think it's not just Democrats. I think there are Democrats and Republicans. I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be said and told the truth about.
0: I was going to mention truth and reconciliation. Yeah, if you either refuse to testify or refuse to come forward, even as you're saying, didn't tell the whole story, th- that was enough, and then you're still going to be prosecuted. I don't know. I, I just think the, with respect to the Trump-Russia collusion and the corruption that had to have occurred at the highest level of the Department of Justice, as well as the FBI, uh, and, and what has occurred with the January 6th um, overreaction to a protest. Some people were very violent, many were not. I've had people on my show who literally never tried to enter the Capitol, stood on the Capitol grounds on January 6th. It was it's a it's a very simple farming couple in Texas. They they weren't even really political, but they like Trump. Went to Washington, standing there on the Capitol grounds, praying for the country, and they end up getting clobbered by a, a police baton. Some officers start hitting them. They pushed him away to get away and left. They're going to trial this month in washington and they're facing 20 years in prison each it's a history I, I can tell you all it's about them off well it is Jalees and mark middleton jalees and mark middleton their trial is this august they literally didn't even think about going to the capitol and they're they're driving across they don't even fly they don't fly they're driving cross-country to go to their trial in washington it's the most and, and they, they don't have any money but i'm telling the story to say so much has happened and i do think with respect to Trump-Russia collusion, I think with respect to January 6th, there are many people inside the Department of Justice and the FBI who do understand they have culpability. I, I don't know how to get out all of it, but they need to be—they need to not be in those jobs anymore, in my view. Okay, you want to respond to that before I jump into my next topic because I want to hit you some other things in the in uh, the Capitol article about you that were amazing. Go back in history a bit.
1: Well, before we do, well, thank you. But before you do, I'll just mention that we need to. I think there are, there is a crust, there is a swamp, there is a crust that needs to leave government. They don't have to leave. We need to be clear. We got to get through this, and uh, you know we're Americans. We're not going to go hang people from street lamps. The way to do this is actually with generosity. There is a lot of people in government, uh, and in particular. There's a type of employee that sort of gets there to the top through political appointee and then burrows in. It's called ram specking in and it's not working your way up from the bottom it's sort of taking the political pointy route again that whole class of people should leave but they should leave we can be generous we can give we can be real generous on the way out they all leave go out and work into the country and get make their jobs and we promote from within so we'll be prom- we'd be promoting from within within these three-letter agencies but it's that group of people, and I think it's only a thousand or so across, that I understand the real problem. They, they got in there not by being great agents and moving their way to the top, but because they went to Brown and studied sociology and made the right donation and they got a point to some appointed position. And then from above, they dig into the bureaucracy. And that never used to be done until about 30 years ago. The taboo against it stopped. And now both parties have done it. Maybe it's a few thousand. Maybe it's a couple thousand across the federal bureaucracy. Maybe it's a few hundred. But uh, I I hear it may be as little as a few hundred. But they just have to go. No one's going to get hung. They just have to go on their way and take private sector jobs. And we can be generous on the way out. We're going to get through this. My dream is we get through this in some way that no one else has ever got through it. And that is there's not a shot fired and there's no one that gets hung from a lamppost, even if they're guilty.
0: You know, I love that idea. I don't want anybody hung or um, uh, on all that kind of stuff. I do think the removal of people who have shown they don't have a, a loyalty, and allegiance to the rule of law. They don't have, they don't understand the mission of the federal agency they work for. They, it's it's gotten political, and they were okay with pushing, you know, weaponization against the political enemies. They're okay with having a, a an element of uh, policy of left wing thinking or whichever side it is political thinking driving their jobs uh not just those people need to be gone but that culture i mean the, going back to when the irs was picking on tea parties and the federal government what is you know the way they january 6 prisoners were treated this, this this farm couple i mentioned they had the whole tank at the door break the door down you know 20 agents with big guns and, and they said we would have just turned ourselves in if you knew we were looking for us they didn't even know You get the point there's a culture that has become Uh, acceptable, uh, has come to accept abuse, come to accept uh, over um, exertion of power, uh, abuse of the people that is is politically driven. And, And it could be both sides of the political aisle. But that the rule of law is one of the most precious things America has. I'm a lawyer by background. I always thought the rule of law thing was kind of so sacrosan- sacrosanct. Just you you understood how important that was as prosecutors in America. I don't think I think there is a class of people. I don't know how big it is who think it's really OK to be political in these positions of power. And it's very dangerous to America. The culture of thinking your politics can drive your actions is what has to be rooted out
1: along with the people. I, I'm. I, I have friends who are like law professors who are on the other side of this and I'm di- And I, they will not engage me in a conversation about these issues, about rule of law and such because I think they know deep down that they're on the side. I mean, I'm pointing out to them that though they've been teaching these principles for years, here they're on the side now that is squelching, that is censoring its opponents, that's throwing its p- dissidents in jail, that's doing these crazy things with the jail, you know, Uh, But censorship, I thought that we're all agreed on censorship, no sense. And these these people who all their lives have maintained to me that they're like intellectual, liberal intellectual, what a bunch of phonies. Turns out they're not willing to lift a finger to defend... You know, the real lesson of World War II is mistaken. People think that World War II was to teach us not to be nationalistic. The real lesson of World War II is when people come to challenge values like rule of law and free speech... You got to stand up to them immediately. You can't let them get an inch, and we let them get an inch here. And the you know we let them get an inch. Absolutely,
0: I can't believe you're you're saying this. I do want to turn to next year adventures in the in Washington, uh, in the Oval Office during the Obama era and Hillary. I will tell you that story. You had was on Deep Capture years ago. I used to read read your Deep Capture blog, and now it's in. Uh, what was the uh, Capital Times that we were talking about now? And I'm going to get to that. Uh, I, I think that's the most interesting story. I've told that to people, and, and they said, I never heard that. I don't think that happened. Like, well, you know, I, I read it in Patrick Corn's Deep Craps, I think so. But before we turn to that, because it's a really compelling story, it's a window on thought of some people. But your, your reference to World War two. we just came back. My husband and I went to um, uh, a two week trip in Europe, which was run by, there's a there's a book written by Stephen Ambrose called Band of Brothers, and yep. they interviewed hundreds of former mili- US military um, officers and, and infra- infantrymen soldiers who were part of, it became to be called the Band of Brothers. Uh, it was the easy company that trained in Georgia, part of the 101st Airborne Division. They went to London, they trained more there. They're there when Eisenhower said, yep, we're gonna do D-Day, and they they parachuted in uh you know uh on d-day and they fought their way all across so they ended up at the uh at hitler's uh in the bavarian alps that uh, he had a, a home up there and then there was another building called the nest with all the, uh those people anyway so we did a two-week tour led by a historian i mean i am i love history i love real and this guy is a historian extraordinaire and it was just a fabulous trip and we talked a lot in this trip about you know how could a country of people like like Germany, you know, how could they? And I know this is the age-old question: How could people be oblivious to what was occurring? How could, and and if you did know and you had some hint, and you know, it seems like many did, how could you not speak up? How could you? How could you stop? Why couldn't you do more to stop that trend in society? That acceptance of what? was occurring and, and agree to that expression now is the othering of people. Let let them, let government create some people who are just the other. And we all agree, we don't like them. We don't talk to them. We don't include them. We anyway, it was a magnificent trip. So when I'm back in Texas and doing my show full time again, I'm going to do a little more uh, deep dive onto this band of brothers tour and the book and the, it's the book. And then there's a film, a um, HBO did like a 10 part series, never but it was so opening that. happening to America. I've never seen that
1: HBO, but I hear it's a great series.
0: Oh, it makes you think about how cultures can be taken over and, and how, you know, these people were educated and they were, you know, they'd been through World War One, all sorts of discussion about whether the Treaty of Versailles was too harsh to the Germans and made them mad at the world and so blah, blah, blah. But it really, I mean, to in fact, we met a guy and it doesn't really matter. It was a fabulous trip and we learned a lot about um, culture and history. And I agree that People should feel responsible for their country, not just serving with their call to serve in the military, but preserving the culture and respect and not allowing. I'm oh, sorry, this is your interview. I got off on that. I've been waiting to talk to my happy listeners on Band of Brothers, but I want to go back to the article in Capital Times, which is simply mind blowing, and the story about Hillary Clinton. And I just, you know, let's launch into that. So you were, you had at various points, as a little blurb I read about you from Lieutenant General Flynn, and called in you've had the most colorful life imaginable it's just amazing but anyway called in and you work with Obama president Obama at the time he was still in office trying to you were you were they were wanting you to take action to try to bribe Hillary Clinton as she was then running uh for president so just tell us about that just tell that story i i love that story
1: yes so i i i was asked By the FBI, on the and told the orders came from Obama from Comey and Obama, to that they needed me to set up Hillary Clinton and a bribe, that that it was a sting, and we were gonna and that there was a foreign government who wanted to bribe her, Azerbaijan. I mentioned in the article, and that my mission was to befriend the Azerbaijani government, find the bag man, and set up a date. So as the guy, the guy said to me, Patrick, at Mr. Burns, somewhere in the room, there's going to be a room. Somewhere in the world, there's going to be a room. And Hillary Clinton's going to walk into that room, and the bag man is going to walk into that room. They're going to spend 10 minutes alone together and then depart separately. You pull that about around, you make that happen any way you want. And I can tell so we'll leave out for your delicate ears, Debbie, how one goes to a country like Azerbaijan and convinces the government that you are the kind of man who can and will do things like that. We'll leave that aside for now, but I can promise you that on January 14th, 2016, Hillary Clinton came into a, was at a hotel in Washington, D.C., the bag man, she was in on, uh, let's say the eighth floor, to keep it simple to explain, her assistant was on the fifth floor, she had a limousine at 9 a.m., and her instructions, the bagman was brought in at 8.30, went up to the fifth floor and waited. At 8.47, she left her room and went in the elevator like she was going to the limousine. She hopped off on the fifth floor, went down to the assistance room, went in and the assistant stepped out. She spent 10 minutes in there with the bag man, took, accepted an $18 million bribe that was later wired to a numbered account, came out, went down in the elevator, got in the limousine by say 9.02 and was gone. So it's not in her schedule. But it happened the morning of January 14th, 2016. What's key? So you're with me there. Before I go on, you follow that? Yes, I am. Any questions before I go on? Nope. What's key is I was told to forget it. After when I met with the federal government again, first two and then three agents told me I had to forget every second of this ever happened. And I, they gave me some cockamamie stories at first, but they could tell I was. And, buying it. and finally one of them, who I was personally fond of, although he, although this happened, he said, Patrick, think of it this way. At this point, and this conversation was the first week of February 2016, at this point, Patrick, President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy, but especially the Department of Justice. Think of that information about the bribe, uh, Hillary Clinton is going to be... President for eight years, nothing's going to change that. But while she's president, think of there as being a Bunsen burner within the Department of Justice. And you remember your high school chemistry, your Bunsen burner classes? The information about the bribes is going to sit on the Bunsen burner. If Hillary's a good girl and defends Obamacare, the flame stays low. If she's a bad girl and turns it up, uh, uh, if she's a bad girl and thinks for itself, the flame gets turned up. This way, Barack Obama is going to manage Hillary Clinton for eight years, then she steps down and Michelle's going to run. And Patrick, that's the plan. And this plan had a name. It turned out to be called Operation Snow Globe. And they wanted Hillary in a snow globe so Obama and Brennan could shake and Comey could shake it up the whole time she was president. My bribe was the bait to lure Hillary Clinton into the snow globe. And Hillary Clinton took an $18 million bribe. And I know that because. So I walked into the DOJ and explained all of this in April 2019. Ten days later, they announced the Durham Commission. And I've been keeping silent all this time, not as silent as they would have wished, but but because I was being told the Durham Commission was doing things. And I'm I'm confidential human source number two in the Durham Commission report. If you read that, that's – and they do, but they've glossed over. They say Hillary does all kinds of – influence peddling, but they don't go into any of the details. It's a real soft soap. So, and But in the summer of 2020, Durham's a Fed came out to show me a an image of a numbered account and a bank in Azerbaijan with $18 million that went in like this third week of January just when I told them they would find a numbered account in Azerbaijan with $18 million coming in. So, they, And they told me that's Hillary's bribe. We found Hillary's bribe. So that's one thing that happened that was the hillary bribe and they've had that since july of 2020 the federal government confirmed to me in july of 2020 they found hillary clinton's bribe and they confirmed that whole story so you think there's two tiers of justice in this town debbie
0: yeah i, I two tiers of justice is putting it mildly you know i it's funny my husband makes this comment all the time I, you know we really are uh very middle class background you know two. i mean you know just very very traditional middle class background you know, worked both worked our way through law school, and I I feel like we the term I started to use I feel like I've been such a cupcake I really just thought overall the rule of law exists I mean it's not perfect and we've had you know rogue prosecutors we've had juries that were were engaged in inappropriate behavior but overall overall the rule of law is one of the most fundamental building blocks of America it's why you know people who live in countries where they are harassed by the government they're persecuted they're mistreated. It's one of the things people say, I want to go to America because there it's fair. The system is fair. They just, people just assume that is true. So what you just described, the Department of Justice knows Hillary uh, engaged in his behavior. She, you know, first of all, it never came to light um, what Obama was trying to do, uh, never came to light her receipt of it and all the money that the Clinton Foundation is a whole other. Source of just endless money flowing and all sorts of suspicious behavior, and and yet nothing occurs. And then you look, you know, you think. I mean, whether you do or don't like Donald Trump, you know, they're, they're now they're, they've got the entire machinery of the apparatus of the left going after him over every, over many things that they're so, so profoundly unjust, unserious. I, I mean, from the documents at Mar-a-Lago. In the same week they're discovering them and Obama has some and Biden have them in two different sources, but only uh, Trump. And you really, it's, it's, I, I go back to this, you know, I, I, I didn't say in the beginning of the show, but I, I do this show. America, can we talk just to talk about America? I always say, I don't talk about football, fashion, fluff, anything. It's very serious It's about saving America and, and preserving America. If you don't have a rule of law and you do think that if you're in the, you're, you're in with the big guys, you're in with the government that you can just do what you want. That just never seemed possible in America, but it is where we are. If you this story you just told, the idea when I told people, I, I told you a moment ago, I told people I read, I read it on his deep capture blog. I'm sure it was true, and and people said, oh, that could never have happened. I, I mean, how could we be in this country with this woman still, you know, racing around the country claiming she really won in 2016 and blathering away about everything wrong, and she's taking bribes of that kind, and no one in the entire Department of Justice apparently cares.
1: Yeah, well, it's because we've, well, it's, it's corrupt and they have the, they have information dominance. They have all, all the institutions, the six corporations that run all the media. So they're able to just control the narrative. Even the face of so much truth, they're able to just suppress, you know? So yeah, it's really, it's really shocking. It is the end of the rule of law. It is a goon. To, now I want to be clear. I don't, these are the names that were used with me, Obama, Brennan, Co- I, it's quite possible in that world and it is that world is a hall of mirrors and there are people you have never heard of in that world and whose names are not on any org chart and this could well be let's call it a deep state this could well be a group of people whose names i don't know that 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 were within the government that contrived all this Spun up, so I don't really know who's behind it. It would take about 48 hours for a determined senator or somebody with subpoena power to find out. So the fact that this has gone on for seven years with no progress tells me it is, it's the authorities are corrupt, they really are corrupt. Yep, and
0: you know, I I will forever, I don't care if Pollyanna sounds some whatever cupcake, but I will forever, you you hear people saying. I do all the time I give uh, speeches I, I you know I do all sorts of public speaking and people say will say America's over just give up you know what it's going to be corrupt find your little niche you know protect yourself protect your family who cares what they do but you can't have that attitude I mean if everybody has an attitude, then they do win. So I, just, I feel like there's always a, a reason for a fight, a, a reason to keep speaking up and standing up. Hey, before I forget, so one a mutual friend of ours, there's a um, woman who uh, had worked with you on some project. Anyway, she texted me to say, be sure and ask him to kind of run through, because back to elections, because everything, you know, everything corrupt can be fixed by fair elections. So what's going on in the world of, besides that Trump is being prosecuted, Tell me and and you and you started the America project I think to work a little bit in elections. So tell me all that you're doing and do you have any hope that we can we can fix our election process and what are you doing in that arena
1: now? Absolutely. It all comes down to the next election. It's done the answer to the people who say ah give it up America's over it's all going to just be get used to your living and they don't know what's coming for them. What's coming for them is a is a collapse. Within one year of the collapse, or civil war, anything like that, 90% of us are dead, not from shooting each other, but from supply chain collapse of food, fuel, and pharmaceuticals. Then the Chinese give the cartels and the UN blue helmets three years to rape, pillage, loot, and burn across America. When there's nothing left but a carcass, then it gets turned over. Russia gets Alaska and Western Canada... China gets the U.S. and Eastern Canada. And if this all sounds crazy, look up, it's in their national security literature, look up a speech called The Secret Speech of, and I'll write it in English, and Chir Haotian, Chir, if you can read that, The Secret Speech of Chir Haotian is this guy's name. He was the Minister of Defense. He's still the Minister of the number two of the communist party and everything i just told you is in there you know in China, they thought in 1949 they embarked on a hundred year marathon to knock us out in in a hundred years and emerge victorious and we to be a vassal state in 2010 they moved their deadline up from 2049 up to 2030 and now they believe they're occupying by 2028 maybe 2027. every home in america debbie your home has a deed issued in China. And there's some colonel or some general in China who believes that when all of this is over and the smoke clears, he's in your home. He looks at Google Earth once a month. He sees you put in that new hot tub out in your backyard. He thanks you for it. They have issued the deeds in China where they believe they think that they're going to be occupying your home. And they think it's only four or five years away. In between is collapse, civil war Civil War, we wipe ourselves out. We have a very intricate society. The supply chain collapse takes care of 90%. I I know all these people preparing for the Chinese to invade, you know, think it's going to be like Red Dawn or something. Not at all. It's going to be like The Walking Dead. And then when we're collapsed, the cartels have three years, rape, pillage, loot, and burn, and then hand the keys over to China. And that's in their national security literature. Please tell me. I've had had Gordon Chang on the show. You know, Gordon? Oh, I love Gordon Chang. I don't know him personally. He's
0: great. He's a great friend. He's coming on, by the way, happy listeners. He's coming on the last Thursday of August, August 31st. He's been on many times, speaks at my summits, and he's always talking about these same kind of ideas. So, Patrick, I'm sorry, I couldn't read when you held up. So, you said secret speech. Can you spell it in English letters?
1: Yes, it's C H I. Then the next word is H A O T I A N. Okay. Sure. T N. And and the secret speech of Chir Haotian. If you Google that, you will find it. I'll send you the link after the show. Please do
0: because the, Gordon talks a lot about the uh, meeting of the Communist Party in uh, oh, I can't remember twenty nineteen, whenever it was, when they're laying. I mean, there have been numerous meetings of, of the CCP or some segment of it that talk about how quickly they can take down America. They they think they're going to take us over. There were the two Chinese generals who wrote the book about. The destruction of America, and they wrote it like, um, like it was factual, like they're describing, you know, how, how to build, uh, you know, a a mouse trap or something. It was just very pragmatic. we're going to do this? We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I do think that people, I saw, I've got to tell you, I saw a poll recently. It was um, Prager, you know, who should be relatively conservative people responding to a poll. How many of you think the CCP is a threat to America's security? Do you want to guess a percentage who said we don't think it's a, a, a threat at all? It was like over 90%. Don't even think it's a threat. 90%? Don't Here's think it's listeners. a threat? Do not think it's a threat. I know it is. I mean, I have I have all sorts of experts on China on my show just trying to say they really are trying to take us over. So let me ask you, say next election really matters. So do you agree if the next election comes along, we've got this kind of threat? You gotta have that, that we're not gonna be helped if we have the Biden team still in place. Do you think that's fair? I
1: think Biden's working for him. I think Biden's compromised by China anyway. No, I think that what we're going through, to be honest, with Ukraine and Taiwan is a big kabuki dance. And at the end of the dance, Russia ends up with Ukraine and China ends up with Taiwan. I I don't know all the steps in the dance to get us there, but that's that's what the setup is, and I don't. I knew that China would never let this opportunity pass to go after Taiwan while the U.S. was tangled up in its own underwear domestically because of all these political problems. So I've, I, yeah, Biden's not going to do anything about this. In fact, I sometimes think that the Ukraine war is being fought in part to exhaust us. That's another Chinese thing. If you have to fight somebody who's strong. Don't fight him, get him to fight somebody else and weaken himself. That's another one of the strategies. So that's okay. what's going on in the. Patrick
0: Byrne, I have to tell you, this um, amazing thing I read this morning uh, that is, this lengthy interview with you lays out so much of your life. You are an extremely discerning person, uh, which, which has resulted in many adventures in your life. Uh, I, I think it's great. Uh, what you're describing about China, I, I mentioned a moment ago, it is uh, Gordon Chang describes in great detail uh, what is occurring. And your comment about um, President Biden. So last Thursday, I don't know if you know a guy uh, named Sam Faddis, but he's a former CIA completely, I mean, years and years of way undercover clandestine operations. And he was on the show again. He's on uh, numerous times, but he was on last week, and this last Thursday show, and he confirmed something he said several months ago, which is Joe Biden is a controlled asset of the CCP. And he says, I don't use that term lightly. I'm using it to say... They're pulling the strings because you don't keep sending money. If you're the CCP, you don't keep sending money to the Bidens if he's not doing what you're telling, what you want him to do. It's, it's a very alarming time. So we, so there you go. You know, we're out of time. I can't believe it. it's raced by. So if anyone wants to read more about you, where do you have them go? And I want you, you can please take time and make your final comments. I really, I don't
1: have to cut off. Well, no, it's okay. The capital. Times Magazine would be the article. As they say in theater, it reads better than it played. You know, it wasn't uh, quite as fun to live it as it reads. Uh, any, if you want to support me, go to the Ameri- go to americaproject.com. I'm out there. I, General Flynn asked me to start this a couple years ago. I'm out there doing doing good stuff to, to make us win. Stuff I don't want to. Well, a lot of, most of it has to do with election integrity. We are, according to PBS, the kingpin of the election integrity movement they, they call us the america project in me. so if you want to get nothing else matters no matter what else you care about the environment abortion whatever nothing you care about matters until you get elections fixed so if you care about abortion you gotta get elections fixed because so it's the only thing we need to care about for the next 15 months or else we're done as a nation and you can expect the walking dead
0: Could not agree more. I say it all the time. The number one issue facing us is election integrity, period, full stop, because you can't fix anything else. I will also say the southern border not being enforced because we're just getting an invasion of uh, actually young Chinese fighting age men coming over our border. We've had people on the show talking about, you know, what in the world? Why would they be coming here? Chinese, single Chinese age military, military age men. What could go wrong? Hey, I want to ask you really quickly. I know we're past our time. I will let you go. But do you know the work of Dr. Douglas Frank? Oh,
1: yeah. Love
0: him. Yeah. We just saw him last week, too. Uh, Anyway, he's... I mean, I just think there are so many people out there. Dr. Frank, you, uh, Lieutenant General Flynn, Seth Cashel, so many people trying to wake America up to the uh, threat that we face without without free and fair honest elections, that we can't root out um, election fraud. So um, I thank you for your work. Uh, You just are a... You're a one-man... I don't know what to call it. You just...
1: You're you're a you're a one man uh stand domestic up for America extremist. God. Domestic if you're the, the domestic extremist number one, says the DHS. So it's been an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you for joining me. Take care. I'll okay, say folks, up. so quickly, i will tell you for everybody else very quickly. We
0: have uh next uh first of all, thank you for to America Can we talk? That was a great uh, and too short interview uh, with Patrick Byrne. Um, we have joining us at the last Thursday of this month, August 31st, we have uh, Gordon Chang um, about China. A week from today, uh, we have a guy, Todd Benzman, who's got all the latest on immigration and the failure to enforce our border. So that's going to be a great show too. Um, and I, I'll wrap up from our uh, happy California headquarters of America Can We Talk. Well, thank you for tuning in. I know it's a little less than um, you know, it's not the same as when I'm uh, in person, um, but or in the studio. We have a lovely studio in Dallas, but I, I can't resist doing the Thursday shows even while we're out here visiting family. So thank you for listening to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. The website is AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Check it out. Uh, you'll love it. You'll see all of our past interviews there. And I want to thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Where we always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time.
1: America, can we talk truth about America?